Welcome, everybody, to another fantastic episode of the Loftus Party Podcast. You have found it. I'm your host. My name is Michael. Thanks so much for being here. Big show. I almost fell into the, the trap of, we got a really big show for you. But we do. We have a guest this week. Very stoked about this one. We have uh, a gentleman. You've seen him on Tucker Carlson many, many times. He's a, he's a great dude. He is a professor. He is a professor. Uh, I almost couldn't say that. He is because because I went to get go into an English accent. Because he's a professor of political science, so he's got some insight. He is uh, he's a professor of political science. He's got a wonderful podcast of his own called the PAS Report. We've got Professor Nicholas Giordano here. He's a great dude. Uh, met him down at CPAC. I've seen him on Tucker a bunch, and he was he was kind enough to do our show. So woohoo! Looking forward to that. Uh, we had a great conversation. Great conversation. Uh, talking about the uh, solutions, what's going on, problems, how we fix them. It's uh, my goodness. It's it's <laughs> we're surprisingly uh, informative and mature. But don't worry, we'll put an end to that rather quickly. Because it was such a big, uh, a big week for our Latina friends, our Latino friends. We had two big events. We had the uh, we had the breakfast taco comment. You're as you're as diverse as the breakfast tacos. I think it was I think it was breakfast tacos. But the, Jill Biden uh, was saying that the ladies were all diverse. The, the Latinx community, the bodegas, the bodegas in New York City. The Latinx community is as diverse as the tacos in San Antonio. And then, this was probably my favorite, we had a comedian who was waiting, he was lying in wait with his comedy at the uh, the steps of the Capitol Hill. And as AOC was coming in, he was like, oh, there she is. She's my, she's my favorite big booty Latina. Look at that big juicy booty. I thought it was funny. Now, it, it just highlights the hypocrisy. She didn't like it. She did, even though even though she uh, addressed the camera and threw out the peace sign, very much in in typical AOC fashion, she decided that there was way more mileage to get out of this big booty Latina comment if she was uh, scared, if she pretended to be scared. It was the perfect. It was a great example of uh, cry bully, cry bully behavior, and and I, I think cry bully is perfect because here you have uh, AOC when she's unhappy with uh, what the Supreme Court's decision was. Oh, we got to be loud. We got to be heard. You know, encouraging protests. Oh, we got to go. People are going to the Supreme Court justices' houses, and really, that's against. I guess it's against the law. It's against the law. But uh, I guess the Biden administration isn't going to uh, uh, be cool with that. Imagine that. They're not going to support the law. So she's fine with that, you know. But then when somebody calls her a big booty uh, Latina, then it's, oh, my gosh, I'm so scared. And then it was bad. And here's what makes it the worst. The classic. The classic. You encourage the behavior. When uh, you want something, and then when someone turns around and does, it wasn't even like the guy had a gang of people. 
It was just him and his cell phone. And he was pretty distant. He wasn't right up on her. So between between big booty Latinas and breakfast tacos and my guitar that's slightly out of tune, I think we have uh, a little something something. Be mine, big booty Latina. Be mine, breakfast taco gal. You make me smile for a while, big booty Latina. (laughs) I gotta work on that. I gotta work on that. Here's what we got coming up on the show. I don't know if I'll do any more of the uh, big boot, big booty Latina song. And I don't, whatever. I'm not gonna get into the size of, of AOC's booty, but that's what I think what made it what made it so funny. We gotta talk about uh, so many, 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 many things. We gotta talk about this Ray Epps dude. This has gone on far too long. This whole charade of the. Uh, air quote, insurrection and who was participating and who's allowed to say what and who can make comments and who why are people going to jail without due process and people like Ray Epps, who is, uh, the New York Times is kind of like running cover for him. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to bitch a little bit about that. And then NPR uh, just announced that they have a disinformation team, which is hilarious, hilarious. We've got uh, L.A. mask mandates coming back uh, again. Oh, good Lord, good Lord. Oh, my goodness, you guys. And then we got Nancy Pelosi's uh, husband, Paul. He's just, this guy, his, the his just keep coming for Nancy's husband, Paul. So let's get into it. And then we've got our, our big guest, Nicholas, Professor Nicholas Giordano. Okay, so here's how it'll work. Um... We're gonna do we're gonna do this, then we're gonna do our interview, and then things are gonna move over to the Patreon segment of the show, which I want to thank everybody uh, who's on Patreon. And do you get extra if you're on Patreon? Yeah, you do. There's you know that's just how it works. And then of course I want to say a special shout out to our good friends at the America First Warehouse. Very excited to give you guys some updates on the remodel in there. This place, the America First Warehouse, it's, it's, it's been fun and amazing and great to watch. They put in this huge air conditioning system. It's super comfortable. Now, uh, I guess the, the workers won't be sweating as much <laughs> as they turn that into like a legit studio. And we'll have more of that show tonight stuff. Ooh, let's start with this. Let's start with this. As we as we move forward with our our sketch comedy show, that show tonight, we got kicked off of uh, TikTok again, again, again. I guess they don't want you to make fun of uh, anything. You just can't make fun of it, which is surprising uh, for the TikToks. I always thought that was like a, a Chinese thing, but whatever. We make fun of uh, everything on there. It's a lot of politics taking a lot of quality shots at at Biden and mandates and this and that and the other thing. And TikTok just, they, here's what they tell us, repeated violations, repeated violations. They don't say anything. 
We don't get any warnings. There's no flags. It's just one day they go, nope, you're gone. So that actually, in a weird way, uh, makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. <laughs> because we're getting to them. We're getting to them. And people like the clips. People like the clips. Okay. So thatshowtonight.com is where you go for that. You can go to Patreon, The Loftus Party. That's who you search for to get the extra, extra, extras. So let's dive into the show. Let's talk about... Uh, it just... It makes... I'm trying to figure out how I want to frame this. Because... It is so very frustrating when we have two systems of laws. Well, we have one set of laws, but then we have two justice systems. And this Ray Epps thing with January 6th is really, really, really under my skin. There's more video of this dude now. And I've posted it at theloftestparty.com. In my brilliantly titled um, article, Ray Epps on January 6th, just what the hell is going on here? This guy was very adamant in uh, addressing the, uh, the crowd. He's like, we got to go to the Capitol. As soon as Donald Trump is done talking, we got to go to the Capitol. It's that way. He's literally directing traffic and repeatedly, repeatedly saying, as soon as the president's done talking, as soon as Trump's talking, we got to go to the Capitol. And it's that way. It's that way. It's point. He's pointing the direction to the people. And then, oh, I might get in trouble for this. I'll probably go to jail for this. But we got to go in the Capitol. We got to go in the Capitol. Now you have grandmothers. You have women who are 69 years old. There's a woman with uh, breast cancer. She's going to jail because she was inside and she was taking selfies and she was participating. She's going to jail. Other people, they haven't even had a trial yet. They've been in solitary confinement. No, uh, no justice for them. No, uh, speedy look at their case, any of that. It's just dragging on and on. Yet Ray Epps is uh, just walking around just fine as can be. Just fine as can be. And in fact, the New York Times uh, ran an article like, oh, it's got, it's so hard to be Ray Epps right now. It's so hard to be Ray Epps. How, wait a minute, how is this dude not in jail? If this is, and this is what I'm saying, is if this is your metric, for this is why you're in trouble because you were inside and you were taking selfies and you did X, Y, and Z. And if they're going after uh, Trump as the the leader of the insurrection, yes, young Padawan, use your insurrection. Why is Ray Epps running around? Are we going to pretend like he's not uh, uh, an FBI employee? If he's not active FBI, he's definitely a Fed in some capacity. And that's where people, they, they, love, they love to get you on the, uh, the technicalities of it all. Oh, he's not, he's not with the FBI. He's not with the FBI. What, so what, what, what department was he working for? Let's, oh, let's look at his bank account. Where, who was paying this dude to direct this kind of traffic? And he's just one of, he's just one of many. And, and listen, oh, I hate this stuff. I can't stand it. And here I go. Am I saying 
that uh, January 6th was, was composed entirely of feds and Antifa? No, I'm not. However, they were there. They were quite active. Was Ray Epps the only dude? Well, I know that there was a, uh, a BLM kid, a uh, Antifa-type kid, who was paid big cash money from CNN, and he was standing right next to Ashley Babbitt uh, when she got murdered. Why is, why, why is that kid not under uh, scrutiny? Why is he just out and about having a wonderful life? When he's hanging out with a CNN employee going, we did it, we're in here. Ooh, that was easier than we thought. Why is Ray Epps out? And I think we all know. Many of these questions are, are uh, hypothetical. They're, they're, not, they're redundant. They're redundant. I just want to know how many Ray Epps there were. How active were the feds in this? Let's not forget the whole Gwet- the Gwetchen. Oh my gosh, that was funny. Let's not forget the whole Gwetchen Whitmore. <laughs> hey, I think I think we should kidnap Gwetchen Whitmore, you guys. <laughs> that's my that's my FBI. That's my FBI undercover. But my, that's that's the FUD Bureau of Investigations. Hey, fellas, you know what I think would be a good idea? <laughs> We should kidnap Governor Whitmer. <laughs> uh, hey, fellas, you know what I think would be a good idea? What if we storm the Capitol? Yeah, our problems are in now. So uh, as soon as Trump is finished talking, we would need to go to the Capitol. <laughs> be very, very quiet. I'm hunting insurgents. It's so stupid. It's so, st- and they're just counting on people not talking about it. They're counting on this whole self censorship. Like, oh, I could, if you talk about this, bing, bang, boom, you're gone. And evidently, yeah, if you do it on TikTok, if you make jokes about it on TikTok, yeah, bing, bang, boom, you're gone. Facebook is so, oh my gosh, I, I finally tracked down uh, the post, the bully post. <laughs> so uh, in the saga, of the Loftus Party on Facebook. And this goes towards the whole self-censorship. Oh, you have to be careful what you say. Oh, you have to be careful what you joke about. Watch out. Don't, ooh, don't tell that joke. You'll be deplatformed, which is exactly the mindset that they want, which is exactly the mindset they want. I, uh, as, uh, as the dude who does the majority of the posting at theloftusparty.com, although some of the uh, contributors to the Loftus Party also, but, uh, Lisa and Cranky, and uh, we got some new people coming up. We got some new people. They post stuff as well. But me, I'm I'm the joke guy. I'm the video guy. It's 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 my posts that traditionally get us all into trouble. So they told me that uh, the page had been uh, demonetized. If I ever wanted to monetize it, if I ever wanted to, which I whatever. Uh, but that's not even an option for me anymore because I'm a bully. Because I posted something about being a bully. And I also posted the uh, the uh, Kansas City welcomes millions of visitors anally. <laughs> but the bully one was the one, there was a frog. There was a brightly colored frog uh, that's a poisonous frog. There was a picture of that. And then next to that was a girl with brightly colored hair. 
And uh, the, the joke was, ooh, nature does these brightly colored creatures to let you know that, uh, you know, they're, they're poisonous or whatever. So that was the bully. That was the bully one. It was a lame joke, but I did it anyway. You know, I'm like, eh, that's kind of funny. Now, and I like, I like the brightly colored hair. That's a, the one good thing. If you have to say one, the one good thing that's come out of this whole uh, wokeness is uh is the is the hair I like the hair the no the nose rings some girls yes but the uh the the middle of the nose one the one that looks like a bull ring no that I've yet to find the chick that looks good with that I like the side of the nose uh I like the brightly colored hair I'll go with multiple I'm I'm down with uh multiple ear piss, pierce piercings piercings I don't like the cheek I don't like the lip not a big fan. The eyebrow, mm, maybe sometimes, depends on your face. But uh, that's, that's the one good thing that's, uh, that's uh, come out of the whole uh, liberal left and the whole uh, I'm woke. It's like, okay, you're taking – there's some serious fashion <laughs> risks that are being taken. Here's what I don't like. Let's get into the stuff that we don't like. I don't like uh, disinformation teams. I don't like uh, misinformation teams, disinformation teams, all the... Here's the hilarious one. We'll get into this before we jump into our interview. NPR announced on this day in the year of our Lord 2022, NPR is going to have a, a disinformation team. NPR! NPR is going to do that. Who famously, NPR, I made so much fun of them... I did a video, I was in Nashville uh, filming the stand-up special for Fox Nation, which I'm sure you all watched and enjoyed. <laughs> NPR famously said, listen, uh, we're not going to cover the Hunter Biden laptop story. And here's why. There's no story here. We don't want to waste the time of our listeners, and we don't want to waste the time of our reporters. So we're not going to do it. They literally, that's what... And now they have a disinformation team. Oh, yes, NPR. You know what your disinformation team should be? The mirror. Shouldn't it be an outside uh, team? I was just thinking my little joke of, no, because that is a disinformation. It is the mirror. Somebody who has an agenda wants to say something and they don't want you to say something. So they look in the mirror and they go, okay, you, you're the disinformation team. You have to stop all this madness. It's up to you. Bay, bay, bay. So that's what they're that's what they're doing. It's hilarious, but it's uh, truly sad. It is. It's uh, a well-informed public. You can't make a good decision, and if uh, people they're gonna get you. Oh, you can't say that because you're inferring this, and oh, that's you're being kind of a bully, and oh, you can't have an opinion about this, and oh, that's lacking contents, and oh, that isn't what the president meant. Oh, that isn't what that is a problem. That is a big problem. Okay, some things to keep an eye out for before we jump into uh, our interview and all that goodness. They're bringing back the mask mandate in Los Angeles. They're going to bring back the masks. Is this the beginning of the return of Rona? Are they really going to try to make this thing? Are they going to use L.A. as a test market? 
are they going to use California as a test market to see, okay, how, how well do the citizens uh, of the Golden State respond to this? Is this an option for us moving forward into the uh, midterms? Are they gonna, is that what they're going to do? Are they literally going to try to bring back the Rona to scare people and try to go, you know what, maybe the mail-in ballots, maybe that's not such a bad idea. Maybe I think maybe that's what's going on. I think maybe that's what's going on. It's a little test. It's a little tester just to see how people will do. Let's float this balloon. And I will say this. We're uh, over on the Patreon block. We got to talk about what's going on in Australia. This is a little scary, scary. Australia. Why am I using a New York accent? In Australia. There you go. We'll get over here. Do the Australian thing. 95% vexed in Australia. 70% of the population's boosted. Crikey, that's a big number. 95% vexed, 70% boosted. They've been having a big, big outbreak that not a lot of other media people are talking about. Another big outbreak and a lot of uh, deady dead deads. Oh no, more deads, more deads. So I'm pretty happy with my decision to not get vexed because it doesn't seem like it do, does much except for uh, make your life worse. Half your face freezes up like Justin Timberlake. <laughs> not Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber. There's so many Justins. Okay, we got to dive into this interview. It's it, And then there's, uh, oh, we're going to make fun of Pete Booty Judge. Uh, we got Amazon Rings of Power stuff. Uh, we got Nancy Pelosi. We got her to talk about and, and some insider stuff and trading. It's fantastic. And maybe a return of the Latina taco song. Be mine. Booty Latina, we'll be right back. Be my taco lady with Nicholas Giordano. Oh yeah, it's a show, it's my podcast, you know. Hi, I'm Mike, founder of DollarShaveClub.com. What is DollarShaveClub.com? Well, for a dollar a month, we send high-quality razors right to your door. Yeah, a dollar. Are the blades any good? No. Our blades are f***ing great. Each razor has stainless steel blades, an aloe vera lubricating strip, and a pivot head. It's so gentle a toddler could use it. And do you like spending $20 a month on brand name razors? 19 go to Roger Federer. I'm good at tennis. And do you think your razor needs a vibrating handle, a flashlight, a back scratcher, and 10 blades? Your handsome ass grandfather had one blade and polio. Looking good, pop up. Stop paying for shave tech you don't need. And stop forgetting to buy your blades every month. Alejandro and I are gonna ship them right to you.
We're not just selling razors, we're also making new jobs. Alejandra, what were you doing last month? Not working. What are you doing now? Working. I'm no Vanderbilt, but this train makes hay. So stop forgetting to buy your blades every month and start deciding where you're going to stack all those dollar bills I'm saving you. We are DollarShaveClub.com and the party is on. news everybody it's not me you're not stuck with me we actually have a guest a guest who knows a lot of things he, i've met this dude we met down at the america first warehouse uh an awesome dude i was on your show and please welcome everyone we've got professor and i'm that's not that's not like a three stooges bullshit this is not like hey meet the professor this dude's a legit professor this is professor Nicholas uh, Giordano, I'm hope I, I hope I didn't mess that up too No, much. you didn't butcher it. I didn't butcher it. I've seen you on Tucker all the time. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. All right. Are you? All, did you uh, finish record? What did you finish your uh, podcast today? The the PAS podcast. I, well, I'm working on the episodes for this week, so I have great guests lined up, and then on Wednesday I put out the monologue episode, and I think I'm going to talk about all the fear porn out there, you know, how, how they're trying to instill fear again in this society. Well, listen, you have said the correct thing, porn. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about the fear porn in society right now, because I see it coming back. I see it coming back now, too. You see, uh, Los Angeles is getting ready to go full-on mask mandate again. Is and, and this is at the same time Gavin Newsom decides to put an ad in Florida talking about how California is like the free state of the United States. Meanwhile, it's the communist state. I tell you, the balls, the balls on Newsom. Uh, someone played, I was listening to a show recently, and they played Newsom's uh, ad. The dude is, the dude is, okay, so he wants to be president. That's definitely way, the way this is going. It's like, that you know the Kennedys had their dynasty, and that was that was Papa Joe Kennedy's uh, vision. And I think Nancy uh, Pelosi's old man, uh, he had the same visions. And I because because Newsom isn't Newsom a cousin? Isn't he isn't he the nephew? He is. He's part of the Pelosi posse. Yeah. So this ba- this bastard, this bastard uh, runs an ad. Has the audacity like. Walk running an ad in Florida talking about, hey, in Florida, they're 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 banning books and they're telling you what you can say and what you can't say. Come to the free state of California. Holy shit. Where you get to walk over homeless drug addicts and step in human feces on the sidewalk. It's a beautiful state or get knifed to death at a gas station. That golf that uh, that NASCAR driver. Yeah, I saw that crazy. Just got. Yeah. And the dude, the dude that got him had been locked up. Of course, now here we are. Here we are talking about fear porn. And then I, and then I instantly bring up, yeah, they, they stabbed that NASCAR driver. So what else, well, what else is going on in, in the world of the, of the fear porn? I know masks are coming back. 
Well, that's the thing. So uh, this morning I'm scrolling on Twitter and I'm seeing all these people who are talking about how they've been wearing masks for the last two and a half years. They socially isolated themselves. They very rarely go out. And they're like, how could I get COVID? And I'm sitting there (laughs) thinking to myself, what the hell is wrong with these people? Like you did above and beyond what the dictators like Fauci wanted you to do. And you still got COVID. And yet it still doesn't wake them up. Like, yeah. oh, must be the unvaccinated. Must be the massless people. Even though I haven't come into contact with a human being in two and a half years, it, it's <laughs> got to be all those that didn't get vaccinated yet. It, it's complete lunacy out there. I mean, you would think that that if I did all that for two and a half years and I ended up getting COVID, I'm actually going to get pissed. I'm going to oh, say yeah. I did the vaccine. I did the 20 boosters. I did the N95 mask. I, I did everything you asked and more. And I still got COVID. What's going on here? And yet they still don't ask themselves that question. Dig it. Like I, you see those memes everywhere, but they it's they 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 work on me. It's like, hey, if I if I took my dog to the vet and I got him hit all his rabies shots, all his rabies shots, four or five of them, and then I come home one night and the dog fricking is foaming at the mouth and attacks me, and I'd be pissed. Yeah, of course you would. I mean, listen. I'm someone that hasn't really changed my lifestyle in two and a half years, uh, aside from like the very hard lockdowns at the beginning. My lifestyle hasn't changed. Uh, I hardly wore a mask throughout the coronavirus pandemic, except at work. So I was required to wear it. Didn't get the vaccine, didn't get the boosters. And I get tested every, you know, four or five months to see if I ever have any antibodies for COVID. And I still don't have any antibodies. So I never got COVID. I mean, maybe I'm an impeccable physical specimen out here, but... (laughs) You know, I didn't have to sacrifice much in my life and still haven't gotten COVID. Now, sooner or later, I assume I am going to get it. I'm not naive or dumb. I I assume I'm going to get it. And I I would rather deal with the sickness for a few days than actually have to not live life, to socially isolate myself. And I think, you know, the most terrible thing we did is the mass on children. And and what we did to children an entire generation is going to be haunting us for the next couple of decades. I don't I get worried if we can turn the corner I get with with the kids because already you were seeing this weird like as a comedian, you you know, you look at comedy websites, you know, I follow some funny people on Twitter and you find like this next generation coming up. It's like all this anxiety humor, this real this like low self-esteem anxiety humor. There's this one uh meme that goes around a lot and it's a dude and he's like uh people want to know why i want you know a self-confident aggressive uh girlfriend somebody has to tell the waiter i didn't get the right potatoes and i'm (laughs) like that's 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 comedic for them and i guess it's relatable and i'm just like holy shit if if you can't tell the waiter (laughs) if like that shouldn't because at the essence of every joke is a big nugget of truth and i just think What's happened to the kids and the isolation and we've taken it's it's going to be crushing. It's going to be much worse than we can imagine. Yeah, but there's good news and bad news. So you said that you follow some very funny people out there, some very funny comedians. And that's actually easy to do now because most comedians aren't funny. So you have the handful (laughs) of comedians that are actually funny because they still push the boundaries. They're going to say what they want to say. They're not going to give in to the mob. And those are the comedians that are the highest rated. Those are the comedians that people see, you know, to listen to. And and then you have these people today that it's almost like 
politically correct comedy, and that's an oxymoron. I mean, comedy cannot be politically correct. And yet you have this entire generation that finds everything offensive. You know, yeah. you, you disagree with me on the political issues, it's offensive. And, and that's not really a fun society. And that's why, unfortunately, we have we live in a very humorless time where people can't laugh at themselves or anyone else. I mean, I'm someone that likes to have fun. And I can mock and, and make fun of anyone. It doesn't mean I'm doing it with malice. I mean, like, God forbid my group text messages with my friends ever gets exposed out there we're going to be looked at uh, <laughs> like pariahs dig it now now you have a you have an interesting insight into the uh the, the younger generation the next group of kids coming up because you do you you have a, a political science course you're a you're a college professor uh i i have to think what are you what are what are your predictions for the future with this next generation are they just completely ill-informed they just do they just not know anything or are you have you been surprised like okay thank god this kid gets it well there's good news and bad news with that i think that most people regardless of the age demographic are actually ill-informed and <laughs> unfortunately it's the society that we're living in but as far as the student body goes there, there are signs of hope out there i don't want to make it like it's all pessimistic i mean first of all i set the standards on the first day that I'm going to shame them, I'm going to offend them. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't offend them in some sort of way throughout the semester. And that they're gonna be uncomfortable at times with the topics we'll talk about, and it's no whole bars. And if you have thin skin, then you wanna drop my course the first day because you're not going to find it enjoyable. So, and is most that, of, so is that really like part of your opening speech? Like, welcome to political science, I'm about to mess you up? Well, no, it's it's actually worse than that because I give them, <laughs> I give them the citizenship exam and okay. then they all fail that exam with the exception of like one or two students per class. And I teach seven sections each semester. And, and so then I'll just sit there abusing them like you have all these opinions, but you know nothing about our government. Why should I listen to you? You should be embarrassed. And I shame them because I believe That's shaming right. actually works. But it also sets the tone like don't think that, you know, it all in my class. Don't think that you could just come in and start regurgitating talking points that you hear in the media, because I'm just going to come back and ask you something about our institutions. You're not going to know it. And you're going to look like a fool. Um, that's awesome. That's like that's like a old school military. You know how they just like I'm going to break you down so and then I can, rebuild you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's it's too funny, but but Jordan Peterson always says that too. You don't even know how to make your own bed, and now you want to change society. How are you going to change that? <laughs> Well, it's funny because you, you look at the student body today, and, and the good news is that my class is actually pretty diverse. So all my classes, the breakdown's pretty much, you know, 40% are to the left, 40% to the right, 20% have their heads buried in the sand, they're the happiest amongst everyone. Yeah. So you, you have that balance in my class, and I tell them that I'm not there to make them believe the things that I believe. That's not my job, and that's no professor's job. That's why other professors hate me. I'm like, don't listen to your other professors, especially when they're trying to indoctrinate. I'm like, you're allowed to think for yourself. Just be prepared to back up your arguments. And that's the way education's supposed to be. The thing that concerns me about the younger generation is, is twofold. First, when you think of students between the ages of 18 to 24, you think that they're supposed to be rebellious. They're supposed to stand up to the system and speak out against the system. They're not supposed to be the conformists. I mean, if you go back to the 60s and 70s, the biggest nonconformists turned out to be the conformists of today. 
And what yeah. we've done is we've breeded an entire generation to obey and comply. And I saw it throughout the coronavirus. Like if the coronavirus came when I was in high school or, or college and, you know, governors decided that they're going to usurp all authority and implement mass mandates, the deans of the schools, the principals would be miserable because they know they wouldn't really be able to enforce it, that we're just going to sit there and laugh at that. Yeah. Yet yeah. they did it. And they did it without any real pushback. They they did the social isolation. You know, you had these adults who were able to live life, tell kids that, well, you can't live major life milestones because we need to protect these old people. We need to protect ourselves. And so you have to miss out on the major milestones. You have to socially isolate yourself and you're going to get severe depression, anxiety, and to me, the damage I was inflicted is huge. And, and I've seen it in the classroom. I've seen the anxiety and depression amongst the student body. I've seen how a lot of them have become socially inept. They don't know how to communicate very well in person. And it is a cause for concern. And I don't know how we work ourselves out of this cycle, given the messages that they're being bombarded with every single day. Well, it's uh, that's a fantastic observation. And, and it's also... I I, I kind of kept, kept an eye on, on this same thing, too. Like, I couldn't believe that everyone was as compliant as as they were. And and I have a I have a theory on that. I, I think it's uh, I think it's social media to a to a big degree. It's being able to uh, control the message. You go on Facebook and the oh, you just highlight hey look how great look how great these people are doing being compliant oh we love the compliant <laughs> people right it's like you get you get you get a reward for being compliant on social media and then the people who spoke out against it and were trying to organize they were just instantly disappeared and and you never like everybody was cool with it until and I do that I I talk about this when I you know when I'm on the road doing stand up it's like that that woman who runs you had the you had the dudes who ran the gym like in uh, New Jersey or something. And then you had that lady who had the, the beauty salon down in Texas. But that was it, man. That was it. And, and that's the scary part. I remember, so I actually come from an emergency management homeland security background. I did it for several years. I actually wrote pandemic plans. I worked with groups, epidemiologists, virologists, uh, public wow. health officials. We, we developed emergency management pandemic plans and this was any from 2009 to 2012. And it's funny because if we go back to February 2020 and the coronavirus is starting to become a topic of conversation, I was explaining to my students because I had this knowledge and background in emergency management. I explained to them that one of the interesting things about this virus is that it's not really affecting young people. You know, most viruses affect the really old and the really young because immune systems aren't developed. Yeah. And I'm sitting there telling them that they don't need to panic, that they don't need to, you know, live in fear. And I said, when I walk into this classroom in a hazmat suit, that's when you need to worry. And then <laughs> literally three weeks later, we're shutting everything down. They must have thought, like, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm an idiot and don't know what I'm talking about. But yet I was on the front lines and actually did this for a living. And we went against every principle of emergency management throughout this. Now, I could understand in March 2020, a lot of people didn't know what we were dealing with. So I could understand being a little bit obedient then. Americans, they want to do the right thing generally. Yes. But 
after a few weeks to a few months, like more people not opening their eyes and just going along because they're afraid that they're going to get ostracized and criticized and they're going to, you know, become the pariah in their social groups. It, it was scary to see that many people just, you know, sit there and, and just comply. And then I think the most frightening thing is how everything's been weaponized, including science and public health. I mean, remember, you had people protesting the mandates and you had over 1,200 public health officials sign a letter stating that protesting against mass mandates and lockdowns is a form of white nationalism, is a form of white supremacist ideology. Yet, when it came to the Black Lives Matter, they supported those protests because they looked at racism as a bigger threat than the coronavirus. And it was really bizarre that you didn't have more people just say, all right, once a letter like this is issued, we see the stupidity. Let's all wake up from this stupidity. But people didn't wake up. That's the scary part. You'll yeah. still see people driving alone in their car with masks and gloves on. It, it's yeah. so frightening. Yeah, it, it really is. So so what then must what we do? I mean, how do we like they say that like uh, the testosterone levels in American men is 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 less than half than what it was in the 1970s, which is terrifying to me. Like, I, I just, it, it feels like there's something bigger at play where they don't want the rugged individual, they don't want, you know, manly do. So what should we do? What can we do to try to like get people to, to wake up and embrace that like American spirit of like, I get to do what I want. I'm not, I'm not hurting anybody. I, but I, I'm a rugged individual. Well, unfortunately, the, we've pampered kids in this day and age, and that's what it comes down to, you know, like the whole man bun and skinny jeans things. And But you look at the generation, they lack grit. That's what it comes down to. I mean, they never had to sacrifice anything. If we go back to 2008, 2009, right, the Great Recession, we yeah. constantly heard how this is the worst time since the Great Depression and blah, blah. It wasn't even the Great Depression. People were starving. They were living in 10 cities in Central Park. They were lining up at the soup kitchens during 2008, 2009. I still had to wait 45 minutes to get a table at the Cheesecake Factory. So, <laughs> so if that's the level of sacrifice. I mean, it's not too much sacrifice. And, and the children today lack grit. We, we discourage them from actually being men and grow, well, growing up to be men. And they don't have to work for anything. They, they don't have to sacrifice for anything. You want to make kids tougher, give them a pair of scissors and tell them to go cut the grass in the backyard. You know, <laughs> in 90 degree, 100 degree weather, that will start to toughen them up. But they've we've grown soft as a nation. And I yeah. guess that's what happens when you develop to this extent. As we're sitting there teaching children, essentially, that boys can be girls, girls can be boys, that we don't want this toxic masculinity within our society. You look at what adversaries that are rising in power are doing. They're, they're outlawing sissy behavior. And in China, they pass laws, literally yeah. sissy laws against it, banning men from being sissies. I'm not saying that's a little extreme too, but you see the difference in a fully developed nation. It's like, okay, we don't have any real growth anymore. So let's just, you know, make stuff up as we go along. Like, why in my class do I even have to entertain? I mean, I'm political science. I, I'm not a biologist. But why in my class do I even have to debate whether or not men could be women and women could be men? That, that, that is that one still boggles my mind that that still goes on. 
because I'm, I'm with I'm, I'm with Jordan Peterson on this one. Like if you've cho- you you choose to live your life in a, in a certain way. And if and if we go out to dinner and I'm, I see you in a social situation and you go, yeah, my name is Esmeralda. I'll go, oh, nice to meet you, Esmeralda. How's it going? Right. I'll be polite. I'm not going to be a dick about it. However, my own personal belief, like, hey, uh, there's a there's a dude in a dress. You know, it's just. Well, it's the way it is. I mean, you know, trying to insulate myself at the college, I'm going to start identifying as a 21 year old Filipino stripper named Professor Cinnamon. And, and, you know, therefore you can't attack me and try and cancel me. This is how bizarre it's become. And like people would accept that if I sent out an email today stating to my college that I identify as a 21 year old stripper named Professor Cinnamon, they'd actually call me that. They would. I mean, a that's lot the of them wouldn't bat an eye, and you'd probably get a lot of congratulations. I'm, you're so brave for being for doing this, <laughs> for coming out. It really is remarkable what we consider brave in this day and age. And I sit there and I explain to my students, listen, I don't care who you are. Everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. I, I really don't. I'm not sitting there. It's not my job to judge how people live their lives. You're 18. You do you. Whatever, whatever makes you happy. But don't push the crap on everyone else in society, especially when it comes to younger kids. Don't sit there and try and push and normalize this because it's not normal. It's not something. And I was, you know, this is like you bring up topics like this in the classroom. You're, you're treading on. You have to be very careful in what you say. But I was talking with my students and I said, you know, if I leave my seven year old in a car to run into 7-Eleven to get coffee, I, I run the risk of, of getting arrested for negligence. Yeah. Meanwhile, when I was growing up, we could have three kids in a car. The car is going to be running. At that time, you didn't even need to step on a brake to put it into reverse or anything. Yeah. And we survived it. Yet in this day and age, my kid, I can't send my kid uh, on a field trip without parental consent for school. Right. They need my consent to send them to a field trip. But yet we're going to pretend that a, a 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old have the mental capacity to determine that they want to take these powerful narcotics to start changing their sex. Like this is what we're going to pretend. Yeah. That's the one that's completely insane to me. Listen, you can't drive a car. You can't buy a gun. You can't buy booze. You can't buy cigarettes. There's all these behaviors because you're not mature enough yet, but Hey, six year old, how do you feel about taking puberty blockers? So, that's it's that is history's not going to be kind to the people who did that. That's, well, that's I think it's criminal. And I it think is. those parents pushing this on those children, you know, at least at eight, 16, 17, 18 years old, I could sit there and say, all right, it's not the parents. It, yeah. It's the child. But when you're talking about a four five, six or seven year old, no, that's the parents pushing this on them. That's not the child. Yeah, that is a uh, it, it's like a relative of that. uh Munchausen by proxy, you yeah. know, look, look at all, look at all the attention I get because my child is different and how dare you judge my child, my child, oh, that's horrible. And, and I'm brave because I'm parenting a trans child, yeah. right? They, yeah. they think they're brave. It's like when Bruce Jenner won the, per, or Caitlyn Jenner, whatever you want to call him or her, when he got the man of the year, or, no, it wasn't <laughs> woman of the year, award, yes. whatever it was. I don't even remember. It was so ridiculous that I don't even remember the award he got. For simply going out there and saying, I'm trans. 
No, yeah. that that's not an accomplishment. That's a lifestyle decision you made. And if that's the decision you made, fine. I have no gripes against Caitlyn Jenner, especially considering she's a Republican. I'm good with that. But you're yeah. not brave simply because you announced that you're trans. I'm sorry. You, you got to be brave for doing something. You know, I ran into a burning house and saved 10 children. That's pretty brave. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're I think they're nominating the uh, that the trans uh, swimmer now. The, uh, the 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 dude who's now a, a girl swimmer. I think that's somehow she got nominated for, for woman of the year. Yeah, and that's crazy to me. I mean, it's like, okay, so I was born a man. I'm bigger than all the women. My bones are bigger. I'm stronger. I'm faster. Okay, that's usually going to be the case. There are exceptions to the rule, but that's going to be the norm. I was able to easily defeat all these other women swimmers. And I'm going to say that I actually won something. That would be like me you know, playing, winning a football game with a bunch of 12 year olds. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, ho I hope I should win. Yeah. It reminds me of the, uh, the Monty Python skit where they have all the professors playing rugby against like the six year old kids and they're just leveling them and just, and they think they're good. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, okay. did you ever see the Monty Python skit where, you know, the, the, the old Roman, uh, temple and the one wants to identify as a woman. And yes. I mean, you talk about a man before his time. Like, I wonder what he would be saying today. Those guys, it's crazy how much stuff that just in, in making fun of. And I think they that was in the 80s. That was in the early 80s. But it's like this is a, a the question that I always try to ask myself. It, like you look at what's what's going on right now. And then comedically, you try to extrapolate that to, okay, so what is this going to mean in 10, 20 years? And I think that's what Python did so brilliantly, especially with that that one scene where Eric Idle's like, you know, I want to be a woman. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're you're a woman. And I and I want to have a baby. <laughs> but you, you can't have a baby. <laughs> you're not a woman. The but that's one. the thing. You look at it. So I, I always think of like if George Collin came back today. Yes. He would be like, he would be mortified. He would say, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Obviously, George Collin was a Democrat. He was a liberal. He was yeah. to the left of the political spectrum. And he'd be sitting there saying today, oh, my God, the left became the uptight, unfunny people. And the conservatives are now considered the rebels. They're considered the funny ones. He'd be like, what world am I living in? Yeah, well, I, I, it's, it's a shame that, that he's gone. But it would be very, very, very interesting to talk about, dude. Just the the seven dirty words you can't say on television. That list has to be up into the hundreds now. You know, it used to be uh, you know shit, piss, cocksucker, motherfucker. You know, and now it's just going to keep going on and on. But you know on. what the sad part is? The seven words you could actually get away with today on television. <laughs> All the other words that are banned are actually innocuous. <laughs> right? Right? That's hilarious. Okay, before I let you go, because everybody has a big day, I want to float one idea by you and see see if you think this would help. Because I think this would be uh, a good shot in the arm, like a wake up call. And and as much as I hate to to do regulation regulations, uh, I would like to institute a a year abroad after high school. After high school. Before you go to college, you have to live outside of America and it can't be Sweden and it can't be, you know, you got to go 
Like you got to go to uh, Argentina. You got to go to Venezuela. You got to go somewhere where, you know. No, what I want is not a year. I want one month. And I want to find the crappiest country we could possibly find on the map. <laughs> like n- not one where they're going to be killed and beheaded or anything like that, but just a, a horrible, impoverished country that is extraordinarily corrupt that targets their political opposition, where there's no real infrastructure, no electricity, no plumbing or anything like that, and, and just a month. That's all you would need. Yeah, and they would come back with this renewed appreciation. For America, more importantly, they'd be like, you know, maybe I should look into this freedom and liberty thing to find out what it's really about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I mean, it, I think it goes back to, you know, you giving your students the citizenship exam. People just kind of exist in this country and they think, oh, this is how it is. This is how it is. Not realizing, uh, boy, that that uh, that girl basketball player, she figured it out real quick trying to get the uh, the hash oil in Russia. Yeah. Don't do stupid things in foreign countries. It doesn't work out well. They don't have the same laws that we do. But the crazy part is those that without the knowledge, the reason I said it's not just the student body, I I give speeches. I'm actually giving a speech at the end of the month for a big company in Wisconsin, and they have over 500 employees. And I made them take a survey before the speech, and I gave them the citizenship exam. And again, I got the same results. There's only a handful of people that passed it. Now, these are all adults anywhere from the age of 18 to 70 years old, and, and only a handful of people were able to pass it. That's why it's it's a crisis right now, because if we don't know the country that we're in, and we don't know who's responsible for what, what institutions, the, the design of them, and why the founding fathers created the complicated system that they did, how long can you possibly keep a cohesive nation? Now, unfortunately, the left is trying to redefine the founding fathers and what they set up. You know, if you demonize and and say that the system is built on racism and slavery, then you have to destroy and rebuild the system. But if we actually teach the real intent of limited government, the importance of limited government, that they didn't want a legislative branch turning out law after law after law, they didn't want to empower the government too much because power was always a threat to the people and governments always abuse the power. Maybe people would start to say, you know what, we have this problem. Maybe our first instinct shouldn't be for government to solve that problem because they only create more problems. And and all you have to do is look at the last couple of years. Government is the one that created every single problem that we're facing today, whether it's the high energy prices, whether it's the depression and anxiety amongst the children, whether it's the collapsing of the infrastructure that you can't start rebuilding anything because of stupid EPA uh, regulations that exist out there. You name it, and government is the one that screwed it up. That I could not agree with that more. Dude, you're awesome. Everybody needs to check out the, the PAS report with Professor Nicholas Giordano. Dude, thank you so much for being on the show. Always enjoy talking to you. We got, I, I got to have you back on again soon. I feel like we were, we're, we're just getting rolling, but that was like su- that's such a great point to make. I just want to leave it right there, man. Hey, uh, anytime you want. I mean, that's the thing. We got to expand the conversation because nobody's talking about it in the media out there. There you go. Everybody say so long uh, to Nicholas Giordano and make sure you listen to the PAS report. You can find that at the uh, the PASreport.com. Professor Nicholas Giordano. Thanks again, bud. Thanks for having me. And we're out. Fantastic, buddy. That was great.
enjoyed the always enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, it's it's good times. It's very. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, and I, and I will let you go soon because I know everybody wants to have a day. Uh, but I, the, the one thing that like I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago, especially with, like the low testosterone going on, and if you look at Japan, look how they've pacified Japan so easily. I really wonder if like if if something was discovered in some like black ops CIA just do this make sure it, it's crazy because I was I saw an ad for like this uh, documentary on Netflix about Japan's long long history the samurai the honor code a very violent and just like resolute people I mean they are made of like strong stuff. And boy, we dropped a couple nukes on them, and now it's like all Hello Kitty. You know, <laughs> it's crazy, and I I think that like something was discovered in in the way we wanted to pacify Japan, and I think it's been turned on its own people. Well, I mean, again, it, it's insanity when you look at it's only happening in the developed world. So if you look at the world that's still developing, yeah, their testosterone levels are fine. And they have pollution and all this other stuff. So we can't say, you know, it's the pollution that's reducing testosterone. It's the way that we're raising people. It's we're, we're evolving and unfortunately not in a good way. I mean, I'm sorry. I would never want my officials to be wearing a man bun and skinny jeans. It's just something that you, you're not a man. You yeah. Know, you're not a man if you don't open the door for women, if you don't pay the check. I'm old school like that. Yeah, and, and if you, you don't know how to do stuff and how to fix things and how to build things, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, listen, e even me. So I'm not the most competent when it comes to handiwork, but I could fix anything. It may be a little ghetto the way I do it. I mean, duct tape is like my favorite <laughs> thing, yeah. but I could still do it. I'm trying to think. My kids, have they ever picked up a screwdriver? I don't know. They may have. <laughs> but, you know. Changing batteries for them is like an accomplishment in this generation. <laughs> that's the amazing part. And I think that's what it is more than anything else, that, that parents have not let kids try and figure things out for themselves. And then we tell them that being manly is wrong and there's something, there's a problem with it. I'm like the exact opposite. Unfortunately, like everything I teach my kid is the exact opposite of what's being taught in, in the schools and in the media and all that stuff. And then he'll open his mouth in school and be like, no, it's not fair that women get special privileges over men or anything. I'm like, dude, you yeah. don't say it out loud. It's you know? too funny, though. But, like, I, I think that's one of the other interesting things that China is doing is is limiting the amount of video games these kids can play. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, first of all, the video games of today suck. <laughs> well, I think I think there's something in your uh, – and they'll they'll figure this out eventually. But there is – good things happen when you're, air quote, bored. You will invent a game. You will figure you will you will solve your own boredom. But if you have if it, if a child doesn't get bored and have to like, oh, I need to figure out I need to color. I need to paint. I need to build a fort. I need to. You, You're you, talking you, about using your imagination. How dare yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that drives me nuts. So my kids, they pretty much have everything. And when they say they're, that they're bored, I want to kill them. I really want to kill him, but you, you look at the older games because, you know, I grew up with Nintendo and that stuff, but you had to figure things out. Yes. That was a difference. You still had to use your mind to a certain degree, and it wasn't that 
we were addicted to the game. Yeah, we could play a couple of hours, but we'd go all be kicked out of our house to go outside. Yeah. Where today yeah. the streets are so quiet. Like, you know, once in a while you'll see some kids riding their bikes and whatnot, but it's actually rare to see that. That doesn't happen too often. And then when you do see some kids riding your bike, you're like, hmm, what are they up to? This is <laughs> this is weird. What are they doing? All right, man. Great talking to you. Uh, I will see you back at the America First Warehouse pretty soon. We got events coming up and uh, all kinds good of good stuff. I missed you there the other day. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun place. So how about that? What a show we're having. What a show we're having. We're getting news. We're getting interviews with cool peeps like a college professor, Nicholas Giordano. Nick, my name is Nicholas Giordano. You killed my father. I'm prepared to die. He's a good dude. I like that guy. Uh, and it's good to know there's still sane people. There's still sane people. And some of them are teaching. Woohoo! More. More of that, please. Okay. So much more show for you. Uh, Pete Booty Judge stuff. I just saw Top Gun again. I just saw Top The original. Haven't seen the sequel yet, but I did see the original. Going to talk about how that holds up. We got big rings of power news. Once again, encouraging news from the rings of power. Amazon is up to some tricks. Amazon is, is up to their usual uh, tricks. But boy, the fan base. The Tolkien fan base is holding the line. And I'm very happy with it. And of course, we got Nancy Pelosi's husband. He's, uh, he's made some moves. Not just drunk driving moves, you guys. Other moves. He's, he does more than just drink and wreck into Jeeps at 3 o'clock in the morning in Northern California. And then I want to ask this question. I want to talk about this. What are we going to do after the red wave? Let's say the red wave comes. Let's say that their uh, plan of mail-in ballots and drop boxes and scaring people with Rona and all that good stuff. What if that, let's say that fails. And let's say that America has come to its senses uh, and there is a red wave. Then what? All of these things we're going to be talking about on the uh, Patreon segment of the show. So yeah, you guys got to come over there. You really do. It's it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. We're going to be buying ads again. We're gonna do, we've got a lot of big plans. A lot of big plans for the Loftus party. Uh, a lot of big plans for that show tonight. And they all involve you guys. And they all involve the America First Warehouse. Can't wait to get back there. Can't wait to get back there and give you guys updates on what's going on with the Rio range. And we got to talk about, uh, we'll probably blow out the Australia thing fast. Because that's going to be the biggest bummer. That's going to be the biggest bummer of them all. That you have a big country of people who, for the most part, complied. And they're like, okay, I'll get the vaccine. I'll do it. I'll go to that. I don't want to go to the, the camp and be locked up. And, blah, 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 blah. and it's really some disturbing stats of the big, it's been going, going, going. Uh, numbers have been rising in Australia. COVID cases and COVID deaths. It has, uh, it's, it's worrisome. It's worrisome, worrisome, worrisome. So... And more people, oh, whatever. I see. See, this is why we just got to. We just got to go by it. We just got to throw on a silly accent and drive right by it. 
And I might even work on, uh, well, we gotta, we always have to make fun of Joe Biden. But Jill is still center stage in my heart with AOC and the taco comments. Be my big booty Latina. Be my taco girl tonight. How's that taco prepared? I hope there's no hair. <laughs> Be my big booty Latino. Be my taco lady, yeah. I'm down on my knees. Begging for that taco, please. Just, just please hold the cheese. It'll be mine. We'll see you on Patreon. Um, you big booty Latinas, be mine. Taco lady, yeah. Boy, they're. It's addictive. <laughs> All right. I'll see you over on the Patreon segment of the show. Oh, why are those paints still on?